Hey everybody, this is Chelsea Schaefer and Caitlin Gustav, and this is The Score, the official podcast of the sport of team roping. This is the Team Roping Journal's semi-weekly podcast, highlighting the team roping industry's top talents and influencers through stories that inspire and connect ropers. We sit down with ropers from the professional ranks, as well as industry icons and producers to delve into topics that make the team roping world tick. This is season two. It will feature even deeper interviews, storytelling, and issue-based coverage, and we are so excited you're here. Hey everybody, welcome to this week's episode of The Score. My guest this week is Colton Schmidt. Colton first made the NFR in 2016 with Shea Carroll, and that was after winning the college finals in 2015 with Sawyer Barnum. But Colton was already really well known north of the border. He first made his name in 2011 as a 17-year-old. He made the Canadian finals with Tyrell Flewellen, and he won the average there that year. Colton's name in Canada. He's got third-generation team roper. They've been there. They've done that. His dad's a Canadian champ. So it's no surprise to anybody north of the border how much success Colton has had once he came to the U.S. Now Colton is roping with the 2016 world champ, also from Canada, Jeremy Bueller. They have been working on their horsemanship. They have been working on their run. And they've been having some success out in California. And we're excited to see how well that they are roping and that they're roping together. They're heading to Canada now, and so we thought this was a great time to run this interview with Colton. We recorded this interview at the Cinch Timed Event Championships where Colton was helping out. But I think everything we talk about is super timely, and I hope you all really enjoy this episode as much as I did. I know there's a lot of times throughout this episode where Colton and I are laughing because um, we get along so well and we had such a great time kind of visiting about things we don't always get to talk about. So enjoy the episode. Oh, and remember, we've been getting some awesome reviews lately, so please stop and leave us a review. It makes our day. I love hearing from you all. Um, Scroll down to the bottom of your iTunes library. Leave us however many stars you think we deserve. Write a review. Let us know what you think we're doing right or wrong. My favorite recent review is a family said that they're listening to it on the way to junior rodeos as a part of family time, and I absolutely love hearing that. That's what this is for. I hope you are all benefiting from listening to these great interviews. And these great stories of these guys and their horses. So thank you all and enjoy. So good morning, Colton. Good morning, Chelsea. <laughs> thanks for <laughs> thanks for being on my podcast today. Yes, of course. Um, so there, there's so much that I, I've we've been friends for a while, but there's so much I don't know about you. Give me a little bit of a rundown on where you grew up. And we know it was Canada. Yes. But give me a little more detail. Uh, Barhead, Alberta, about an hour and a half northwest of Edmonton. It's kind of a a Schmidt, like all Schmidt town kind of. It's a town of 3,000 people, and there is a Christmas. We have Christmas every year in town, and there's 180 Schmidts. Really? And we rent a hall, and it's just, it feels like everybody is somehow related or Mm -hmm. something like that. And, uh... My grandpa's side, there's three brothers, my dad and his two brothers, and us cousins, the uncles, grandpa and grandma, just feel like we're all super close. We have coffee every day at grandma's at 10 o'clock in the morning, and mm-hmm. then in the wintertime, grandpa has the indoor arena. I just, our family's super close. We do everything together, always always talking to each other, always keeping each other in the loop, and everybody runs cows up there, and it kind of seems like everybody is successful with their cows because we're all so close. You know, brandings, there's 50 people helping, and we have 
40 calves to brand, you know. Like, <laughs> well, but, what's running cows like up there? I mean, it's it's terrible. It's terrible. I <laughs> I don't know why they do it, honestly. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's like glutton for punishment. Yeah, it is. And grandpa, he used to he used to breed his cows so that they would calve in January. Like it's <laughs> It was like beating your head against a wall, and then you'd listen there, sit at a coffee, and talk about how hard it is, and you're like, what are you doing? <laughs> but they've kind of laid it back a little bit, but still, the weather up there in the winter sucks, but rains a lot. They get a lot of feed. That part's good, mm-hmm. so I don't know. Everybody seems to do it, so it seems to be okay. And my, uh, my uncle up there, or great uncle, Walter Schmidt, they have a huge feedlot in mm-hmm. Barhead. It's called uh, Schmidt Livestock, and it's a huge operation. Mm-hmm. So it just seems like, I don't know, everybody just does it. Is there a special, I mean, I don't know a lot about running cows where it's that cold. Right. Is there any special care that has to go into it? And now you're getting above my pay grade because <laughs> I don't know. You go to Arizona in the <laughs> yeah. winter. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So does my dad. He's got a hundred, probably a hundred head of Corrientes and we just go to Arizona and the uncles look after him for That's him. awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I bet they'll appreciate the shout out. Yes. For, they're the real cowboys of the Schmidt <laughs> <Yeah>. family. <laughs> Yes. That's funny. So how long have you been going to Arizona in the winter? I believe the first year we went down there was 2004. My dad was going to rope with Joe Lucas, Mm -hmm. old smoking Joe, and uh, we went there for a couple weeks. And dad always tells the story. It's so funny. He he always heard about, like, the, the dreamland, you know, Arizona. And we went, we went the other way. We didn't go through Vegas. We ended up going through Flagstaff and we were like two and a half hours from Arizona, and there was two feet of snow on the ground. <laughs> and my dad thought that Joe just pulled a prank on. <laughs> That's funny. But we've been there since 2004, and then I think, I believe the year was 2000, and I think it was 2007, Dad bought his place, and they've been just kind of building on it ever since. Now, you've had so much family support. Tell me How's that experience been? It's it's different than some, or I kind of like we talked about last night. I I didn't think it was different mm-hmm. for some, and hearing people have hardships with their family is mm-hmm. hard for me to grasp. You know, I don't wish I understood it, but I respect that side of the spectrum because my family has been unbelievable mm-hmm. through. They've been amazingly fun and supportive through the good, but. They were there more than anybody through the bad. You know, I that my support system is just unbelievable. It's amazing. How have you managed to turn out not spoiled? Or, like, was there... How have you managed to kind of take advantage of... My mom's mean. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I want to be a mean mom. I hope Elise says that someday. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm kidding. I love the lady, but... Uh, that's kind of... You know, I don't know. That's That's something that I feared was getting that reputation, mm-hmm. you know what I mean, uh, there's actually, Ren, Richard, when I was going through college, and I wasn't a bad kid or a bad guy, but I was kind of drinking beer and kind of straying away from the program, mm-hmm. and I remember this till the day I die, Ren Richard walked up to me and he said, hey, he told me how much he respected me, we've been close, and he said, he said, you get one reputation, and he said, I'm kind of worried about yours, mm-hmm. and that, that shook home, you know what I mean, mm-hmm. and and that's kind of falls back to my family where my grandpa and my dad, the biggest thing was it doesn't matter how good you rope, it doesn't matter what you win, the people will remember if you're a good guy or a bad guy. And that was kind of 
the guidelines to mm -hmm. my life. So. Gotcha. So talk about when you started rodeoing. Who was your first partner? Uh, at home. At home, yeah. Yes, at home. I still have to thank him more and more. Uh, Tyrell Flewelling. Mm -hmm. He took a chance with me. I was 17. I was a bomber. I didn't even know how to score, how to jackpot. And he invited me into his house for three weeks in the summertime when we lived there and we practiced in 2010. And in 2011, we ended up, he gave me a chance and we roped. And uh, I had an old bay mare. I called her the mare. Mm -hmm. And we went to the, we made the Canadian finals. We won the average and Tyrell won the year in. And that was such a cool year to dream about it, you know, because the Canadian finals when we were there, that was the highest token. Yeah. You know, we, mm -hmm. we woke up and we dreamed about the CFR and Tyrell gave me the chance and for him to step out and take a chance with me, that was that was really cool. So you had all that success your first year. Did you think it was going to be easy from there on? Like, did you have any clue? My rodeo career has been such a roller coaster <laughs> because it's so funny. Uh, 2011, we made the Canadian finals. Same thing. I get the mentality, this mm -hmm. is it, you know. 2012, me and Tyrell don't make the Canadian finals. Mm -hmm. uh, I grind through it, work hard. Tyrell gives me another chance, 2013, and we actually win the year-end in mm -hmm. Canada. And uh, the same thing, I haven't made the finals yet back down here, but 2016, you make the finals, kind of get a, I don't know what the right word is, but kind of like a coast feel, you know what I mean? Like you kind of plateau in your mindset, and I've been set back because of that, and that's mm -hmm. happened, you think I'd learned the first time, but mm -hmm. I didn't, you know. <laughs> uh but it's it's all it's happened to me twice. I wish I could go back and tell myself to figure that out. Did you mentally back off? Did you back off on your practice? Did you like what caused the coast and what are you doing to fix it? I think the the coast has in both times looking back at it and being realistic with myself is my horsemanship. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was so funny. We were sitting in Arizona, or sorry, we were sitting in Houston the other day. And Bueller was Snapchatting me, and the snap the Snapchat said "old time hockey," and it was a video of him and I when we won the two head at the George Strait a couple. I think it was 2016, and our run was such a kamikaze like <laughs> it actually scared me watching mm -hmm. that run. And I was sitting there with uh, with my girlfriend and and Jerry and his girlfriend and. I told him, I said, there's no wonder it took me two years to start winning again. I said, I don't even know how we ever caught steers doing <laughs> mm -hmm. that. Like, that run was crazy. And uh, it's actually a really cool story, the horsemanship side of it. I I was down in the dumps after two t 2017. Uh, I went through a lot of partners. Dugan Kelly stuck it out with me a long time. Him and his wife were amazing. And I did I did such a bad job for Dugan. I felt... I still feel terrible. That guy's amazing. Dugan and Brittany are, like, tops when it comes to good people. Brittany is, yes. <laughs> Dugan just takes along with her. <laughs> he outkicked his coverage for sure there. <laughs> yes. No, them them guys are awesome. I love them, too. But uh, it was in the fall of 2017, and I've been watching everybody swap horses. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, they don't like when they sell them. And I wasn't getting along with my black horse badger, and I was like, well... I'm trying to get into the motion. I'm like, I guess I have to sell them because I can't ride them. And uh, an old family family friend, Dean Tufton, got a hold of me, and he said, don't sell them. He said, give me two months, and if you don't like them after that, we can sell them. 
So I actually moved to Arizona and I went and rode with Sean Grant and uh, <laughs> when we started it was, I was so bad. I didn't even realize that I was that mm-hmm. bad. But and this is after you've already made the finals. You've won the Canadian finals. Yeah. And you're... Yeah. But, yeah. I mean, just... You had so much to learn still. Yeah, you got to be pretty real with yourself, mm-hmm. I think, you know. A lot of people won't, so you better be with yourself. And That's so admirable, yeah. And Sean, he... We put Badger back in a snaffle, like re- restarted with Badger, but I think when he looked at me, he's like, man, this Badger's going to be a lot easier to fix than Colton. Like, <laughs> I was <laughs> I was so bad. And, and they, for people who don't, Badger had already won Horse of the Year. Yeah, he did. I mean, so for people, like, yeah, this is... It was, it was funny that we look at it that way, you know, like, because when I look at it, I'm like, I don't know how we've done, I don't know how we've won nothing, I need to fix it. But then you're the outside looking in, and you're like, Colton made the finals on him, he's a... AQHA Horse of the Year, and, <laughs> and he's riding around in a ring snaffle. <laughs> yeah, we, and yes, we restarted, <laughs> but Sean was amazing. He was so patient with me, and I still talk to him every day, and not every day, but every time I need help with Badger and them guys, I I couldn't thank them enough. They've they've saved mine and Badger's career. I think like that's blowing my mind right now. Thinking about lower number guys at home or, or guys that are circuit rodeoing who maybe think they're just getting by or right. just think that, well, this is the way this horse is. <laughs> you restarted the horse of the year. We did. Yeah, we went from the ground up. Well, yeah, what went into it? Tell me about it a little bit. It all just went back into him. Well, it's all my fault. And my dad warned me about this, too. My dad's my dad's really good with horses. He he can pattern them so well. Like, they're not, they're not showy, but they know their job. Mm-hmm. And when we bought Badger, he was a heel horse. Kind of, they were kind of messing with him. He was six years old, and he just had the feel. Like, mm-hmm. I was rodeo within six months of him just getting him, you mm-hmm. know, like, and when we got to Sean's, he's like, man, this horse doesn't even have a foundation. Mm-hmm. Like, he scores, he'll haul ass, and then he ducks because that's all he knows what to do. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what you've taught him. So we restarted with a snaffle, trying to get him loping a left lead in a straight line. <laughs> Seriously, we couldn't do it. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> so we got that, and it was so hard for me. That was the most that I've never roped in my life. Mm-hmm. I was there for two months, and Sean, we put the rope on the chute. We messed around, slowed that horse down. They were so patient with me, and it just itched me to the bone. It took me like a month and a half to get for me to throw a horn loop. And I'll never forget the feeling of both of my horses that were strong, when he finally let me rope on him, it was just, it was like two new horses that mm-hmm. I got. It was just, it was really, really cool. It's still amazing to think about how far they came. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Um, Dean Tufton, how did your family know Dean? Um, Dean grew up in a small town, what's well, actually kind of big now, but Drayton Valley, which was an hour from my grandpa's indoor. Mm-hmm. And back in the day, my grandpa was kind of the only one that, in that area that had an indoor. Mm-hmm. So they got close throughout the winter, and then they'd amateur rodeo together, and he just kind of grew up among among the neighborhood, really. Mm-hmm. And your family, you said your dad trains some horses? Kind of. He used to do it. He's kind of had a roller coaster of living, I guess. Like, we started, he started training horses when him and mom got married. He did that for a few years, and then mom's a worker, so she wanted cows, and then they got cows, and she was working at the bank. 
And then dad ended up getting an opportunity to get snow cats, and that's what he still does now. Mm-hmm. But he, he'll he get one or two horses a year and gotcha. goes to Arizona and gives him something other to do than sit there and talk BS with all the old guys. That's <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> the culture down there for yeah. sure. Um, what? Now, your family is somehow involved, or were you just involved with Dean in Rope Horse Futurities in Canada? What's the... Uh, Dean... Didn't have anything to do with that, or maybe he does now, but he didn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, my dad actually That's started all your that. Family. Yes, gotcha. I couldn't remember how that. Went. There's a few people like Glenn Flelling was involved in it, and Art Glay were involved in the original one, but that was all dad, and uh, he actually they just signed another contract. The Canadian finals moved, and he actually got his deal moved, and they're going to start having more of them. Cool. Yes. So, what is the the market up there for horses? Like, and, and why is there a demand for futurity rope horses? Up right. There? Um, there's a lot of team ropers. Yeah. There is. There is a lot of team roping at home. Just in our area, I mean, I don't want to sit here and count them in front of you, but in our in our county, there there has to be at least thirty five rope mm-hmm. arenas. I mean, it's it kind of feels it's not so close and intertwined like Arizona, but in the summer, if you want to rope, you can go. Yeah, anywhere, awesome. and the ropings are really taking off up there. The World Series is what kind of set it all off. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's there's a lot of team ropers at home. Mm-hmm. Very cool. And um, big pens. What what's the differences? I mean, obviously in the winter there's not as many big places to rope, but in the right. summer, great big outdoors. Yeah, there is big outdoors, and kind of back home, I don't know how to say it. It that's kind of what my struggle has been cause from is we just everything's kind of short scores at home mm-hmm. and it's all in my own fault because Levi Simpson he's from back home and he's he's really good at both ends of the spectrum mm-hmm. but it's kind of my own fault but we just learned to rope fast because of roping in that indoor arena and I know for the last year and a half I've been trying to jackpot runs at home in the middle of the arena like that was hard but now that I think about it, I'm like, why Why is that? Because mm-hmm. you ask that question, and the arenas at home are big, and they're yeah. open, and our steers are strong. It's it's pretty similar. You know, the only thing that I wish we got at home was to rope Mexicans. But Yeah, I was going to ask, are they all native? Or? Yes, mm-hmm. which, I mean, everybody wishes they could rope Mexicans. Yeah. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Guys, this episode is brought to you by U.S. Rider Caitlin. How does my husband handle it when I run a truck out of fuel? Not very well. Not very well. And when I do run our truck out of fuel on I-25, <laughs> I remind him, "Hen, it's no big deal. We have U.S. Rider. And he's not nearly as impressed with that as I am. But either way, U.S. Rider does come and save us on the side of the highway. My husband has run out of fuel. You've heard that oh, commercial yeah. before. He's done it. Uh, but but there are a lot of wives out there who may run out of fuel, may blow a tire. There's a lot of guys out there that may run out of fuel, may blow a tire, may have any level of accident that you might think of. Um, and U.S. Rider is so handy. It is the roadside assistance program of the equine industry. They have been our sponsor since the beginning of the SCORE podcast, and we so appreciate them. And because of that, you've got a new promo code for 2019 so that you can get two free months of U.S. Rider service if you mention promo code TRJ19. That is promo code TRJ19. All you've got to do is go to usrider.org. When you sign up, you log in um, to join or renew. 
you enter in TRJ19, that's your promo code, you get two free months of towing, repairs, battery assistance, anything you need, flat tires, lockout service, fuel, oil, or water delivery, and you get enrolled in the Winner's Circle Advantage benefits and discounts with that code TRJ19, you get two free months of it, usrider.org. So you, you, we were talking about 2016, do and you said you haven't made the finals yet. Do you? This is a jerk question for me to ask, so Absolutely. you can tell me to delete it. Do you feel pressure because 2016 was the year that it was? Th- that's the year that you made the finals, and 2016 is the year that there were a few yep. guys who weren't rodeoing because they were in the ERA. Right. I always, I always wonder, and I've um, never been as much of a jerk. I to don't. Ask that question. I don't think that. Not because of the ERA, you know, and this is going to sound jerky of me yeah, too, do it. No, you know what I mean? I'm saying, but, uh, I had a, I had an amazing year. Like yeah. it was so, so dreamy. Like I won, I think I won into the finals with 94,001. Mm-hmm. So really, if they bring a few guys back, I'm still going to make the finals. Yep, that's, that's my mindset mm-hmm. on the deal. But the pressure after the NFR, which is all self-induced, I understand, but not doing good at the NFR was, that was hard on me. And I don't want to sound, I don't want sympathy over that deal, none of that, but that was that was hard for me to overcome. Feel like you finally get to the stage that you want to get at and you can't perform. You know, that's frustrating. And then the next year was all self-induced pressure too, where you feel like, I got to make the finals. You know, I can't. Mm-hmm. I can't not now that I have. Yeah. You know what I mean? But roping with Bueller, his mindset over this last year has just been incredible. And or this past month or whatever mm-hmm. it has been, he's been awesome. And then roping with Cole, that really helped me because Cole does a really good job of getting the best out of his partners and allowing them to do what they how they want mm-hmm. to rope. And Cole took a chance with me too. I mean, I was at... I was at ground level when Cole started roping with me, and he took a chance that I was actually going to fix Badger, and I'm so happy that I got to get Cole to his first NFR. You mm-hmm. know, that that my dad, when we talk, he always tells me, he says, all right, well, go make your healer a winner. That's what it's, yeah. that's what our mindset is, you know, mm-hmm. and to see my guy make the NFR is, that was really cool to be a part of that. Obviously, it sucked that I didn't get to go, mm-hmm. but I I have to be real with myself where I made the NFR, and then I fell out of the top 50, and I grinded through it. And last year I had a realistic chance. I ended up, I think, 19th or 20th, whatever it was. But I got to be at least a little bit real with myself and look at the positive sides where I got my guy to the finals. I'm close. I'm at least kind of going in the right direction. And now I get a rope with Bueller. I've wanted a rope with Bueller forever. I'm watching old videos. Now I understand why I didn't get to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I just, I don't know. I. There was a lot of self-induced pressure because of that finals and my expectations, and I feared misses. That that part was hard. You know, I we all are, I guess, when we're young. We're mm-hmm. really, really hard on ourselves, but that's one thing I'm trying to get over is not make a big deal out of the last one. And in 17, when I was doing bad, it was like the snowball effect. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I'd miss one to the right. Man, you can't head. I'd miss one to the left. Man, you really can't hit. You know what I mean? Like it was just a it was a never ending never ending down downward spiral. But 
trying to make less out of the misses, more out of the better. And I, I just, I kind of feel like I'm sort of, well, I feel like I am going back in the right direction. So you started, you restarted your course, you restarted your roping. How did you restart your mental game? Was it just putting the time in the practice pen that restarted your mental no, game? No, there was a lot that went into it. There was a lot. Uh, I actually haven't told many people this, but whatever, we're talking. I actually, I was so down. Like, I wasn't going to quit because I wasn't going to be, that wasn't going to be me. I was going to throw my towel in, but it was bad. It was, mm-hmm. it was hard. And we actually started reading and trying to figure out what to change my mindset, what could be that trigger switch. And I actually went and sat down with a hypnotist. Really? Yes. I went and got four, uh, it was four appointments with him just to try and open up my self-conscience. And it was, listening to him talk was unbelievable. It was really, really interesting to me, but he th- he said that we could rewire our brain, like mm-hmm. reteach ourselves how to think. And I don't know if it helped me, and I don't know if it was right or wrong, but it felt like I took pressure off of myself because at least I know I'm trying. Mm-hmm. That was it's kind of like when you're missing, but you go back and practice. At least you know you're putting the effort in. And I think that was more than anything is that I could wake up in the morning and I could be real with myself and say, well, you're trying. I mean, you're on the right track. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I, I went to a hypnotist. I read a lot of books, talked to a lot of people. I mean, I don't know. just feel like I used every ounce of resources that I could get a hold of. Mm-hmm. And we mentioned it just a minute ago, but let's talk a little bit more about it now. And I'm not going to make you brag on him too much because you're going to have to ride in the truck with him a lot this year. <laughs> but, I mean, Jeremy Bueller... I asked you last night, I was like, do I have a right to think Jeremy Bueller is as much of a badass as I think he is? And you were like, yeah, he really is. He really like, is. He is. He's got it. Like, he's got it figured out. Well, he, he'll he say he doesn't, but I think he does. Mm-hmm. And that guy, I mean, he's had the other end of the spectrum. You know, he's done it the hard way. He's The, the success he's had is all within himself. Yeah. You know what I'm... And, he surrounded himself with great people, and he does have a good family, but the coolest thing is he's found a good support system of friends like that. I was telling him the other day, I said, uh, we were driving home from a rope, and I, I talked to Jake Cooper, and I lived with Jake for two years. Mm-hmm. We are really good friends, and and now I buy my own place in Stephenville, and I hardly see the guy. You mm-hmm. know, like, how dumb is that, right? Mm-hmm. And I said, man, I, I feel like I need to go see Jake, and Jerry's like, man, I don't want to get into your life, but... He said, we've been roping hard every day. We've been roping all day. He said, why don't you take a night off and go see him? He said, when I feel like I'm getting kind of caught up in the moment, I go see my friends and I come back and I feel like a weight is lifted off your shoulders. And just Bueller's mindset is just, it's like a hippie, you know? Yeah, he is. He's like Yoda. He is. Like... He's so just chill and in the moment. <laughs> like he, And... The biggest thing that I like about him is we don't make we don't make a big deal out of the misses, mm-hmm. and we did at first. We did. We were we were grinding through it, and we were, we couldn't even catch in the practice pen. We were trying so hard, mm-hmm. and he left Arizona. He's like, man, I got to kind of get back to my my roots. He said, I need my own deal for a little bit, and when we come back, and we kind of got back together, and we roped, and he's like, let's just not make a big deal, and that's kind of how he is with his horses, which is so cool. They make a mistake where most people would freak out and kind of pick on them and make a big deal. And 
he just reminds him what to do and he goes back and tries it again. And that's kind of what we are with where we are at with our roping. Like, okay, you miss the right horn, catch the right horn next time. Mm-hmm. Now we're going to go visit and not going to talk about it again. You know, like, I don't know, his whole mindset is just, I'm really, really, really intrigued on on his personality and his lifestyle. And I, I mean, I want to give him credit, but his girl, Katie, she's, She's like the rock to all of that. She is. He gives her a lot of credit. Well, she he needs to because yeah. she's so laid back and she, the support system that he knows that is there and not to get over like I don't know they're just they're really really amazing people. It's that's really cool. Awesome. It's so nice when you have somebody that's just your solid person. Yeah, in it's corner. it's awesome. We've been good friends for a long time. I mean, he's kind of older than me, but we both our roping careers have kind of been on the same same course a little bit we made our first canadian finals the same year and we we made our first nfr the same year Mm -hmm. so it's we've kind of been around and we've seen each other's highs and lows yeah now you guys both also had to do the i don't want to say citizenship because you're not american citizens but you guys both had to jump through all the hoops we still are jumping you're still jumping yeah every day we're jumping what Um, can you say about that i don't want to put your citizenship at risk (laughs) (laughs) i hope they ain't listening uh Uh, no, that, that's been a, that's just been another, it's just going to be another chapter in a book, yeah. I guess, is what it is. It's been, it's been expensive, and I want to say it, it kind of costed me the Canadian finals last year, mm-hmm. but it didn't, because Jerry made it, and mm-hmm. he won Canada, so it, I can't say that, but it made it hard. We couldn't go home in, uh, in May. And we're sitting there just looking at our mailboxes, trying to go back to Canada, and it we finally got to. But that that whole deal has been a it's been a process, a lot of money. It's taken a lot of time. We're we're on the two year mark of still waiting mm-hmm. for it. What don't American citizens understand about the whole deal? Understand about the about the immigration process. Trump's serious about the wall. I mean, <laughs> like he's. He's really on immigrants, because before our lawyer said that Canadians didn't have to do interviews. They mm-hmm. could just apply, kind of get your deal, and now we got to do interviews. We had to do interviews. It's just, we go through the full yeah. the full deal. Yeah. It's a pretty thorough process. It is. It's hard. You guys don't realize how yeah. lucky you are to come out of your mother's womb and be American. <laughs> you know, like, that's a, that's a people's dream. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's... That's it's really is. I mean, just to think that people from Wyoming or Colorado mm-hmm. could just move to Arizona and be there. You yeah. know, where my dad he, it's not supposed to stay over six months. Mm-hmm. You know, and and then your health insurance at home is at a risk. You know, like mm-hmm. people take a lot of chances just to be a part of the sunshine and the yeah. lifestyle. Wow, that's something. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what else did I want to ask you before we? I had something else. Are you having fun? Yeah, I like this. I like, like podcasts. Yeah. I like podcasts. I like too. listening to them. <laughs> I, I know. <laughs> this is a good one. You're doing really good. I had something else that I was going to ask you. Um, you said you were curious about Canada. Anything else? Yeah. What else What else is there about your life that I don't know, Colton? I don't know. I wish I was big, <laughs> tall, good looking, and a hockey player. <laughs> <laughs> but How true is that? <laughs> Okay, how true, how big is hockey in Barhead, Alberta? It's huge. It's huge. Yes. 
Are you a typical Canadian hockey fan? Uh, I'm not as hardcore as my family, but yes, my family is hardcore hockey. Mm-hmm. Yep. I played until I was, I can't remember if it was 14 or 15, and now that I think at it, my dad, the old bugger, he put me on the spot, but he <laughs> said, either hockey or Arizona. Oh, and, man. Yeah. <laughs> Now that I think about it, <laughs> that was his choice to That's make. Funny. <laughs> but obviously, I picked Arizona. I did not have a future in hockey. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's kind of cool. I mean, there used to be a really good junior uh, junior team in Barhead. My dad played on it. Uh, both my uncles played on it. My mom, she was on a traveling hockey team for Western Canada. She went to Europe. Wow. Played for a little bit. That's pretty cool. And I have a cousin that is actually drafted by the Montreal Canadiens, and he's playing university hockey in Alaska right now. So, I mean, we all kind of have a somewhat of a, a way involved in mm-hmm. into the hockey. Huh. Um, switching gears, horses, you talked about Badger. What's the horse you got from Riley Miner that you had that we did a story about a long time ago? Riley Miner? It was like a brown horse. Hmm. Riley told me he messed it up in the box. We did a story about it. Oh, Moon. Moon. Do you still have Moon? No. No. Uh, Tyler Waters just bought Moon. Gotcha. Yep. Uh, Brady Payne had him, a guy from Arizona. And Tyler Waters from Stephenville just got him. But that was, probably is, the best horse I've ever had. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I actually feel like a lot of, a lot of the success that I had with Shay was because of that horse Mm -hmm. because and until I got this mare from Driggers I couldn't and couldn't again jackpot and both of them horses allowed me to have success at Mm -hmm. the jackpots and uh, Moon that horse was amazing and he was kind of getting old and Brady Payne really wanted him and I don't know if regret is the right word I mean I still wish I could feed him for what he's done for me but uh I just seen an opportunity to get out of him, and mm-hmm. that's kind of right or wrong. That's that's what happened with him. But that was a good horse. I love that horse. I actually bought him off of uh, Murray Linthicum, a guy from back gotcha. home. Gotcha. It, it was not. Yeah, Riley didn't have him. It was a. It was, that horse has had some owners. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's got a lot of different hay bales. Yeah. Yeah, he's been around. <laughs> yeah, I, that was the. I think that was the first time I ever talked to you. Was when you were riding that horse and. Coincidentally, I don't even know why we wrote about him. Yeah, I don't know. You had like won something. He was a badass. It's probably Did you win, why. Like, Austin or San Angelo or something. I don't know. I won the San Angelo jackpot on him. Maybe that's why. Something like that. Maybe. maybe. And and a then photo from it or something. I won the San Angelo jackpot on him with Shay, and then I rode on him a lot, and then in the fall I actually won the West Star with Petska with that horse too. That horse is awesome. That's cool. Yep. So what horses are? Or next, We've, you've got Badger. What did you buy from Driggers? Yep, I've got Badger, and shoot, he actually kind of become a jackpot horse. Mm-hmm. I haven't really used him. I jackpotted on him and took him to his first one the other day, and it was a little one, but Corey Koontz and I won it, and I was just tickled that I completed the course and won a five-head jackpot on him like mm-hmm. that. That was really cool to me, but I got uh, I got a mare. Screwed up the name. That's a whole other story. Apparently, her name is Stella. And I thought her name was Gypsy. And by the time that I found out it was Stella, her name stuck, and it's Gypsy now. Mm-hmm. So 
Her name is Gypsy. So you changed a barn name. Are you superstitious? I am a little bit. Yeah, and it that's bothered a me. Scary. Yeah, I was scared too. Where I'm at now, I'm thinking I might change every horse's name <laughs> <laughs> because I love her. She's been awesome. Is uh, she a Starlight's Gypsy horse, or did you just make Gypsy up? I don't know how it happened. Okay. Yeah. Somewhere, Drager said Gypsy, and I thought that was her, and I don't know. Whatever. Mm-hmm. Her name was Stella, but now it's Gypsy. Gotcha. Okay. And I don't know what her papers look like. Never never seen them. I don't know if she has them. And, uh, but I love her. She, how old is she? This is my favorite story ever. <laughs> Tell me. Okay. Can't wait. She, when I bought her from Drager's, she was 13, <laughs> which was in September. And we're sitting there, and he... We're talking crap, running our mouths, and he says, what if, what if she's 16? I said, well, you got me. You know, I've, already, I've already wrote the check. Dang horse yeah. traders. <laughs> <laughs> and we're sitting there, and he calls, or it was Marcus Terriot, calls the girl that from back home, because that horse used to be Lightning Aguilera's horse. Okay. Mm-hmm. So from back in their area, and he calls her, and it, it was in 2019, and she's, or they're like, yeah, that horse just turned 13. And I'm like, Woo! I got a year on drinkers. You know? <laughs> Doesn't happen <Yeah>. often. <laughs> Every time he's talking smack, he tells me that I still owe him a check for that horse because she's more expensive now. <laughs> That's yeah. funny. We have a feature in, in a, the next issue on buying and selling horses, and I use Driggers as an expert. So He is an expert. That guy is, is expert. amazing at what he does. Yeah. He is he's c- got one of the nicest places in Stephenville because of that. He's a, he's a hustler. I mm-hmm. got a lot of respect for him. And then uh, another horse I have is a, a friend of mine owns her. I, I, she showed up without a name, too. Uh, his name's Trevor Nelson. So my girlfriend Katie called, him T, called her T because we couldn't mm-hmm. come up with a name. So you're a mare guy. Well, I wasn't, but I am now. <laughs> I'm a hardcore mare guy. Do they come in heat? Do you, not, you, you don't know because they have... Well, uh, Gypsy does. She's mm-hmm. a brat. She acts like a mare. Mm-hmm. And I've never been against mares, but I just didn't have them because... Mm-hmm. I'm also like that with papers. You know, I think when you're buying babies, it matters. But if they're a badass, they're a badass. Yeah, for sure. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, like papers, it, it can go to an extent. But Riley and Brady are brothers, you know? Mm-hmm. And they're not the same. It's really true. Like They are not the same no. at all. <laughs> so, I mean, what's that to say that my horse and his brother are going to mm-hmm. be the same? But that sorrow mare that we have, her name is T, and she is a she's badass. I've been jackpot on her, too. I, I'm really, really excited about the herd of horses I have right now. That's awesome. Yeah. So the rest of the year, I mean, all in, hooked for the year. Yeah, we're going. We're mm-hmm. in. Yep. I'm excited. We'll see what happens. What are you most looking forward to? I don't really know. All of it, honestly. Mm-hmm. There's just, you asked me that question, and there's just, like, a bunch of things I'm looking forward to. Just the whole experience. I... I told my mom and dad this year that I want to experience and I want to enjoy the journey more than what I have before. And I think a lot of my my downfall come from my pure enjoyment and pure happiness only off of a win. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a, that's a terrible way to live. You mm-hmm. set yourself up for so many failures. And that whole deal with Badger and Sean fixing them, it kind of made me appreciate the journey and the time and that end of the spectrum so my whole goal this year was to be looking at that side of it where you know if we don't do good if my horse did good and we at least put our effort in we know that we showed up prepared I I have to be somewhat satisfied Mm -hmm. and it has kind of helped my mindset a lot the 
the misses or the not winning wasn't just the end of the world, you know. Yeah. I can't tell you that it didn't frustrate me because I'd be lying. It's always frustrating not to win, but it doesn't make me want to quit and find something else to do. So I think, I feel like it's we're on the right the right track. Find something else to do. You went to college, right? Did you finish school? No. No? No. You I should have. My mom hates me for that. Yeah. No, she doesn't hate me, but she's <laughs> mad at me for that. <laughs> what, was was, your, what were you studying when you were in school? Three different things in three years. So you didn't put much... School no. wasn't the focus? No. I went there to rodeo, mm-hmm. and uh, I started in a junior college, and I didn't enjoy it. And I went to university, and I actually kind of enjoyed what I was taking. I took communications in mm-hmm. university, and that was actually kind of cool. It was interesting. I was intrigued by it. That's what all the cool kids do. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I wanted to work at Spin to Win back in the day. <laughs> goals. Yeah, goals. Uh, so did I in college. Yeah. <laughs> Here we are. Yeah, exactly. But uh, that that was a whole nother, just, it worked out. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, my buddy Sawyer Barham, we roped in college, and we made the college finals. And that was such a cool experience. We we won the college finals, yeah. and that was that was a fun, fun time. That was amazing. But after that year, my uh, she wanted me to come back, but I had the opportunity to rope with Shay, and I kind of told my my mom. I mean, my dad didn't really care. He wanted me to do whatever I wanted to do, but my mom just told me I had to live with that decision, and I do now. I think finishing school would have been the right thing to do, mm-hmm. but I'd also be lying if I'd say I would finish school and not rope with Shay again because that kind of. I mean, that was amazing. You yeah. Know? We got to make the finals. We had a lot of success. I, a lot of the stuff I have now come from that, you know? So if I could tell kids, I'd tell them to finish school, but I'd also tell them to chase their dreams. And mm-hmm. my dream kind of had an opportunity, so that's what we did. Life after rodeo. I don't know. I don't know. You're young. You don't have to know, yeah. I guess. I'm old. I'm going to be 25 in June. That's scary. <laughs> <laughs> that's scary. But... I don't know. My dad has a really, it's a pretty interesting business. It's, it's kind of been hard because the oil field hasn't been great at home, but that whole snowcat deal is, it's really cool. Like my dad gets to live a really cool life because we, we, or not me, I can't take the credit for it, dad, and they work hard for three or four months maintaining them snowcats. Mm-hmm. And then and that's in the fall and the rest of it in the winter, it's a lot of headache and a lot of time and not sleeping, but in the summertime, it's done. Like mm-hmm. they're just they sit there. So that would be kind of a cool a cool thing to be a part of. And I want to rodeo in Canada until I want to rodeo in Canada healing. And they got to put me on the chair, like on the saddle. Like mm-hmm. I want to be old and heal <laughs> in Canada because at home you can still live another life and get to rodeo. And mm-hmm. that that's really cool. It's really fun. A lot of those guys at home have really really good livings and. And they get to go play in rodeo and still make mm-hmm. forty, fifty grand a year. And now that the finals is equal money, I mean, it'd be a fun way to make a living. Yeah. So I don't know. I haven't really thought about it. I'm just, I know what I'm doing now, and I'm happy with it. I'm not really worried about what's going to happen after. That's awesome. Did um, you said about the finals being equal money? Do you get involved in the Canadian rodeo politics at all? I try not to, but there's not many of us so you kind of are yeah do you know what i mean like our our group at home is pretty small it's kind of intertwined but them guys that paved our path for us or created our way you can't thank them enough mm-hmm. you know even the first year that i i made the finals in 11 with tyrell 
we roped six steers and we placed in shoot I can't remember it was like four or five rounds maybe five rounds and won the average we won 70 no we won 11,000 yeah, that's crazy to think about you know and when my dad won it in 2000 the rounds paid nothing you know like I don't know I can't thank those guys enough for sticking through it and and the guy back home Lyle Kurtz CVS controls I mean he would not quit until there's team roping in the Canadian finals. Yeah, awesome. Like that guy is, mm-hmm. that guy is the only reason we have team roping in Canada. You know, he saved our sport. That was all of us, and you know, even they don't they don't need to understand it. And I understand that they don't. But even guys like Driggers last year that that won ninety five hundred or whatever the payoff was at Edmonton last year that one header that that all falls back to Lyle Kurtz. So it. There's so many people that owe that guy thanks that mm-hmm. he won't get it enough, but that guy's he saved our sport and shoot he created our sport really at home. That's awesome. Where's he from? He's from Edmonton. Edmonton. Yeah. He's kind of a family friend. He's been he's a sponsor of mine. He's he's kind of spon- he helps everybody. I mean that guy he's amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Welcome. I think we're good. This trailer might fall, blow over from the yeah. wind here in Guthrie. Gu- Guthrie is just a beautiful place right now. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful time to be in Guthrie <laughs> yeah. for the time to bed. <laughs> awesome. Thanks, Colton. Yes, thank you. Well, Colton, thank you so much. I'm so glad we got to visit. I'm so glad we got took the time to do this podcast together. And I appreciate you all listening. Thank you.